Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Joy. On today's episode, we talked with author Ben Shaka. He's the author of Meals from Mars, A Parable of Prejudice and Providence. Mm -hmm. And this book is talking about race and reconciliation, but in a very approachable and understandable way through a parable. And so it helps gives us a story we can all wrap our heads around and help some of those topics that seem foreboding or fearful or simply ambiguous to be a little bit more down to earth. Yes, and it's a very well-written book. It follows um, characters of different backgrounds and they kind of come together into this exciting story that's just a, a great read. Mm-hmm. So we encourage you to check out Meals from Mars at mealsfrommars.com and please enjoy this conversation with Ben Shaka. So Ben, thanks so much for being with us today. We're really excited to talk with you about your latest book, Meals from Mars, and also about your participation with Restoration Academy, and then also the Race and Faith Forum that's coming up in February. So we have a lot to talk about. We thought we'd start with your book. And um, first off, can you just tell us a little bit about how you started to write? We know that this is not your first book. You've, You've written another one. Um, and then kind of how your idea for this one started. Sure. Yeah, well, Juan, thanks for so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Um, the book, I guess, um, to start with that, was a work in progress over several years. Um, I work at an inner city Christian school outside of Birmingham and have been there for 17 years. And um, so I think uh, for me, what really got sparked to finish the book was a lot of the uh, recent incidents of police brutality towards unarmed African-American men. And um, I spent time on social media and there was just a lot of buzz uh, back and forth for obvious reasons. A lot of real polarized opinions of people sharing their different vantage points on um, why those things happened, why they shouldn't have happened. Some people even rationalizing that those things were good or okay because of the way these men were behaving in certain situations. And uh, it just really seemed there's a lot of noise, but no one was really listening to each other. And uh, Birmingham is a pretty racially diverse city as far as just black and white. Um, And it's a city, as many people who know their American history, that's been uh, ripe with a lot of racism and a pretty tough past. And so I work in a really unique ministry that um, has a lot of intersection of life, of people of means socioeconomically, but uh, it's also a lot of diversity racially here that occurs at the school. And um, so I was just really kind of burdened to maybe try to create a medium where people could kind of engage in a story and uh, maybe find a tool to spur discussion I think would be more useful than simply tweets and status updates on Facebook and things like that. And so that was really the original burden for producing the book. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to write it as a parable or as a fictional story rather than just like a straight up nonfiction book? Yeah, sure. Good question. So, um, well, one, I think nonfiction or academic books, I don't consider myself an expert. I think that type of medium tends to let it lend itself more towards persuasion. Here's kind of the issues. Here's how we kind of navigate these particular waters. For one, I don't consider myself an expert enough to produce that type of book. Um, Secondly, I think stories connect with our head as well as our heart. I think being gripped by characters um, and kind of hearing their stories, their experiences sometimes in a different way kind of gets into different layers of who we are without us necessarily feeling like we're being coerced by the author. 
And so a lot of the issues that get discussed or that the reader experiences in my book don't necessarily even resolve. They're very open-ended. And so hopefully the reader will either be kind of taken out of their comfort zone or be spurred to continue to wrangle with those issues, whereas I think nonfiction tends to lend itself to trying to resolve those issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, and what I found attractive about your book is that so often these issues can feel so too big for us or ambiguous, and then we just shy away from engaging at all, which is not the answer. So for you to bring up some themes, and you know, Adam's farther into the book than I am, but he was even seeing how he could relate to the characters, and for him to, and, and myself, to kind of explore the emotions through them is a really safe and healthy way to do it. Um, and I, I think that's going to be really helpful to the rest of the readers. Good. Yeah, that's that's my hope. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully people, you know, any story, if you if you read it and you enjoy it, you do hopefully connect with one or two of the characters and see a little bit of yourself in them or them in you. And mm -hmm. I think that can help us to be a little bit more invested or it can touch us in a different way. Sure. Now, I'm, I'm interested in a little bit into your writing process. Now, did you um, sort of know the the themes or the message you wanted to get across and then kind of fit in the story that way? Or did you come up with the characters that you knew would tell the story well first? Or how had that kind of uh, process go? Yeah, so I think I think it was a little bit organic. I mean, I, I, I'm somebody who I love to write. And so I actually started on this story, I think maybe five or seven years ago and just laid it to rest, just kind of put it down. Um, and then, as I said, over the last two two years or so, maybe even starting with Trayvon Martin in particular, I think it just kind of resurrected a desire to produce the story. There's so there's so much material, and I think social media, the smartphone, uh, it's it's tragic, but it seems like there's another really tough event or incident once every two weeks now that something's being captured, uh, and I think it's interconnected us in a lot of different ways. So the material kind of almost became available just unfortunately as different events surfaced over the last um, uh, two years and, and maybe even past that. And so um, for me, it was a pretty broad um, canvas to kind of start working with. There was so many different issues. And frankly, the book, I don't think even tackles uh, a lot of other stuff that I would love to get into. Um, but yeah, as you get into it, you're going to see a lot of things that um, I think are very um, at the forefront of people that are either engaged in racial reconciliation or just passionate about that or just simply aware and watching what's going on in the news. Um, I think it touches on all of those different issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, and Ben, we were recently on Wheaton College's website and saw a post about you and um, also another Wheaton alum that works with you. And I went to Wheaton College, actually. I graduated in 2012, so uh -huh. glad we have that in common. <laughs> um, and I'm wondering if you could tell us how reconciliation became a passion of yours. It looked like you did some ministry with Dr. Jerry Root and um, with some of the other guys, and that may have sparked the beginning of this. Yeah, so, yeah, Wheaton is definitely instrumental in God putting me on this kind of trajectory that I've been on for the last... You know, it's been almost 20 years now. So um, I grew up in kind of middle class white America for the most part. That was my upbringing, um, pretty lily white world. Um, and uh, the, yeah, the other guy that's in that article is Brian Gessling. He's actually our principal here at the school. He and I graduated in the class of 2000 from Wheaton. And um, sophomore year, he just he just was relentless in recruiting me to uh, participate in a ministry that was called Cook County Hoops. It was a ministry in uh, down at the Cook County Juvenile Jail, downtown Chicago. 
And every Saturday, a group of guys were getting um, some vans and head down to the city, and they would coach basketball, and then they would share their faith um, during the halftime in between the games. So he was bugging me relentlessly to come down, and frankly, I was scared, just felt out of sorts. It didn't really sound like my thing. I love basketball, but just it really wasn't my thing. But through some a variety of circumstances, God kind of put me on a collision course where I finally just said, fine, I'm going to go. And yeah, long story short, I mean, we ended up going every single Saturday for the rest of our college career outside of meeting my wife at Wheaton. That was the highlight for me of just going there. Um, it was a collision of worlds. Um, uh, seeing uh, at that point, Cook County Jail was the busiest juvenile facility in the country. 30,000 kids ages 12 through 17 went through there every single year and just running into young people that had kind of hit bottom. And, um, and uh, many of them were culturally diverse uh, experiences that I've never experienced, but uh, seeing in them the same need that I had in this, that's Christ. <laughs> and uh, we saw, you know, 250, 300 kids give their lives to Jesus over those two and a half years. And uh, anyway, God used that to just kind of put me in a headlock is what I tell people that uh, he wanted me to be invested in city ministry. And so God launched me from that to Restoration Academy. So right after graduation, I started working at RA and have been there ever since. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. It's really neat to see how the Lord uses college experiences or even unlikely ministries. You know, so often we find ourselves in something that we thought, oh, that would be the last thing I would have considered. And the Lord obviously has other plans. And yeah. it's, really, it's really neat to see how those things can start in, a, yeah, in unlikely ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, with the, the book, who do you... Who do you think is the ideal audience for this? Who are you, in the back of your mind, writing writing this for, I guess? Sure. Well, I think anybody who gets a chance to produce a book, and I've been uh, privileged to get to do that, one, you just want people to say, hey, I hope you like a good story. So anybody who just wants to read a good book, and, and thankfully most of the feedback I've gotten from people has been it's been hard to put down. So that's, that's encouraging. So hopefully if you just want to read a, a, an entertaining story, I'd hope that that would appeal to anybody. But... To be more specific to what you're asking, yeah, I think it's going to need to be someone that's either engaged in or invested in um, in reconciliation, justice, um, diversity, uh, the complexity of this, this nation in which we live as far as r racial relationships are concerned. So whether you're trying to you know intentionally be involved in that world or it's just something that you're following on Twitter or you're passionate about, uh, I think this is the type of book that will hopefully peak pique the interest of the reader to say this is engaging it's valuable for me in a you know, either as an individual or in a small group uh to read uh, but i think there's also i've been doing a ton of studying and so a lot of the stuff that's in the book i don't know how far you guys are into it but a lot of it has come i mean it's, it's a narrative and it's a story but it's from my own personal experiences of being here at restoration for 17 years conversations i've had or books that i've been reading that have been very 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 impactful on me uh being stretched and growing myself Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I can uh, echo those people who say it's hard to put down. So I'm, um, so there's for people who haven't read the book yet, there's like a couple different storylines that kind of meet together, and then some action starts. I'm right where the action is gonna about yeah. to start. So I, it was hard to actually. I was reading it right before we came here, so it was yeah. hard to put the books oh, down. Okay. Good. Talk to you. So I'm like, what's gonna. So, yeah, what's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I tried my best to make each chapter a little bit of a cliffhanger to keep people reading. So hopefully it has that effect just purely for the story. Yeah. yeah. I 
Absolutely. So Ben, you've been asked to participate in the Race and Faith Forum that's taking place in Tampa mm -hmm. in uh, February. And I'm wondering if first, if you want to give an overview of what that event is going to be so that our listeners are familiar. And then also some of the topics that might be discussed there, you know, one or two that you're really excited about sharing as well. Yeah, well, one, I'm just honored to be a part of this whole um, event. So it's still, um, I think they're still kind of putting together the exact final details on it. But essentially, it's uh, Benjamin Watson, if you guys are familiar with him. Um, he currently plays tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, but he uh, posted uh, something on Facebook shortly after um, Mike, the Mike Brown verdict, after the, the Darren Wilson, I think, was ex exonerated of all the charges. And so he uh, wrote that, he, put, he posted something on Facebook, and then from that got like a million shares or whatever, and wrote a book, Under Our Skin, uh, which is a fantastic book. I encourage people to pick that up. But yeah, so this forum is basically kind of under the umbrella of his book. Uh, he's also a Tyndale writer, but Tony Dungy is going to be there, Danny Warfel, uh, Warwick Dunn. And then some different pastors and parachurch leaders and ministry leaders from around the country. And I think essentially what they're trying to do is create a forum that's going to get into these issues. But I think a lot of people are aware of the issues or are somewhat aware of the issues, but are kind of trying to seek a way forward, uh, seek a path that is that is hopeful, um, to have some tools for discussion. They're going to help us kind of navigate the present and the future. And so... Yeah, it's going to be a panel discussion. Um, it's going to be the evening of February the 16th in Tampa, and then they're also going to do a live simulcast. So I think it's going to be fantastic for anybody who's, again, in a small group or a Sunday school class or college class to, to tune in that evening and uh, hear what everybody has to say. Mm -hmm. It's really neat. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of, on the panel, several people from different backgrounds, both male and female, of color and not. Yep. And, you know, it's a really neat thing to have athletes and authors and pastors and um, our supervisor has been integral in planning this along with Todd, as you know. So it's yep. been really neat to kind of be on the, the sidelines watching this happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say or what would be some of your recommendations for people who do want to be more engaged in conversations about reconciliation and are just kind of afraid or like don't know where to start or only know what's on social media, which tends to be very, um, can be, I don't know how to describe it, but just kind of a flamboyant or uh, emotionally charged. How can we be educated uh, to have these conversations? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think one of the things right off the bat, just as just before I get to that that answer, is just you know reconciliation to do that is it, by by very nature it's almost like you're breaking up a fight. You know, you're you're in, engaging into something that's already uh, strained, chaotic, perhaps even volatile. And so when you get into it, you you it's kind of like you said there is some there can be some intimidation, some fear factor, and there is there is an acceptance of this could hurt, <laughs> you know. Um, it's not it's not easy stuff like just talking uh, other other topics, just basic theology. It's it's a tough it's a tough arena. Um, I think for um, you know addressing um, majority culture, or my, which is uh, white majority culture, is I think beginning to steep yourself more and more in the thinking, the writings, the music, um, the thoughts of minority thinkers and writers and people that have contributed amazing stuff to this conversation already. Um, my primary diet going through high school and college even was predominantly people that looked just like me, thought just like me. 
Um, there is some amazing literature out there. There's some amazing stuff that's been out there for a long, long time that for the most part has always been seen as supplemental studies uh, or things that you can look into if you want to. But I think it's really fantastic um, literature in particular that's just really worth immersing. So it's it's not just having, you know, you'll hear people say, I have friends of color. Or, you know, I, I, that that's great to divert our relationships and that's really important but I also think really humbling ourselves and saying uh, I'm not just going to continue just to listen to and uh, apprentice myself to just people that think like me mm -hmm. uh, I don't have all the answers and I in fact I have a tremendous amount to learn from people that uh, have walked in completely different shoes mm -hmm. uh, think their issues completely differently than I do mm -hmm. and um, so for me that was just picking up tons of books I have some brothers that I highly respect and I say, what are you reading? What do I need to read? And anytime they recommend a book, I'm on Amazon. I'm buying, I'm, down, I'm reading, and uh, I'm growing. So um, I, I think that for me, it's been kind of coming out of, I just, to be frank, kind of a white insulated bubble of thinking and living that frankly needs to be popped. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is uh, kind of like the character Jim, I think. That's his name. Yeah. yeah, Jim in the book. He's kind of, he's got a comfortable life. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really want to be uncomfortable, kind of reluctantly helps. Uh, I don't want to give away anything of the book, but <laughs> I feel like, mm -hmm. uh, especially we're, you know, we're in the wealthy suburbs of Chicago. We can um, very relate to his perspective. Um, it's very easy to get, you know, complacent or just comfortable and not <clears throat> think about the world beyond our, you know, uh, very easy to live in uh, yes. neighborhoods and, mm -hmm. and cities here. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of that is part of uh, privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what are your hopes uh, for Restoration Academy? I'm sure you've seen it change over the years. You know, you've been there and I'm not sure how old the school was when you started there. But yeah. what have you seen, especially in light of some of these current events, you know, that have seemed to take over the media most recently. How do you help? I guess there's so many questions. So what are you, what's your vision for the school? And then also, how do you help the students who are coming from really difficult backgrounds um, who, are, who are questioning their identity and themselves and their families? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think Restoration's been around since 88. So uh, we're, we're creeping towards 30 years here. I've been there since, here since 2000. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that, you know, when you, when we, when we look around the world and you see people that don't have access to water or access to food or access to certain things, it's just kind of non-negotiable saying people have certain things that they just need. It's just part of justice. And I think in this country, uh, America is far well off in a lot of the world. However, um, there is a, there is a huge educational void in this country. Um, you know, the Washington Post produced an article last year, 51% of all public school kids in this country live in poverty. Um, and so, you know, and they go on to discuss how the ramifications of that is just it, it, for that child starting at age four is that they'll be in an educational vacuum from which they may never catch their middle class and upper class peers. So restoration has just been seeking for 28 years just to provide educational justice. I think every single kid in this country should at least have access to a quality school. Um, not all of our city schools are bad, uh, but many of them are. 
many of them are failing our children. Um, the, the violence that's there or, the, or how the schools are under-resourced or the absence of just quality education is, is putting a lot of these kids on a trajectory where they're just not going to be able to achieve even if they wanted to. So restoration is just seeking to provide safety. It's seeking to provide called and qualified teachers that love Jesus, that are intentional about discipleship. Um, and we want our graduates when they leave to have the character and the, the academic rigor and ability to have great success at the next level. So by God's grace, for the last 10 years in a row, 100% of our seniors have been admitted to college. And, um, you know, that's, that's life changing for people. I'm only second generation in my family to finish college. And so um, that, that, that impacts your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. And so we're, we have about 280 students. So to answer your question, we'd like to grow. My vision is for us to continue to impact more and more kids. We had about 125 when I started. So we're, we're growing more and more each year. And Lord willing to see more and more students impacted by that. Um, because restoration has been around as long as it has, we're having more and more schools that are seeking to um, to kind of come here and visit and say, how can we grow or learn? Or can a restoration academy occur in our city? So a similar school just opened up in Atlanta a year ago. Uh, another school is open in Montgomery, Alabama. And these are schools that have visited and then are now kind of planting and doing a similar work. So I'd love to see more and more opportunities like this around our major cities throughout the country. I think that would be tremendous. And I think that's at the heart of God for every kid to at least have that opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's really neat because I, I so often I was told, you know, you get an education, you can be a world changer and it's very empowering and it shows you that you have a self and you have something to contribute to the world. And so when we have opportunities that we so often take for granted, um, that really sets up our future in a completely different way. Right. Absolutely. Oh, it really does. It's, it's a crucial, crucial step for every kid. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really commendable for other people to come in and look at your model. And I'm sure you're very prayerful about those plants, you know, how they can grow up. Because it's a lot of work, I'm sure, more yeah. than most of us realize. So, <laughs> yeah. So if people then were to look for you online, if they wanted to read more about your book, um, where would they find you? What's the best place? Yeah, so if, they, um, if they're looking for the book, it's just uh, mealsfrommars.com. Um, it's going to be on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and the major outlets there. Um, I think it's going to be in bookstores as well. So that's just a real easy way to pick up the book. It's, Lord willing, it's going to drop February 1st, so maybe a couple days before, but it's available for pre-order. So definitely check out the book. And then um, probably social media is just on Twitter is uh, at I am Judah Ben. Judah Ben was my pen name, so... Mm at I am Judah Benz, if you want to catch up with me on Twitter. Okay. All right, and I have one last question. I'll yeah. put you on the spot here, but earlier you said uh, one of, a great way to kind of change your perspective on the world is to um, read things or take in um, literature or media from other uh, people who have different backgrounds than you. Do you have any recommendations for some of your favorite uh, things that, for people to check out? I mean, obviously, your first book, people should <laughs> yeah. go check yeah, it out. Pick up anything I write. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, so, yeah, I think a must-read uh, as just an initial book is a book called Divided by Faith. Um, it's written by two different professors, um, and it's a fantastic book that just kind of gets into um, kind of the polarization even within the body of Christ um, regarding race and how um, – well, I, I won't. I won't give you the entire thesis of it, but it's that's that's a great primer. It's a great book to start with. Um, 
the New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander is a book on mass incarceration. Uh, I think that's a must read, uh, really digging into what's going on. Um, where a lot of our brothers and sisters of, of color are being incarcerated at an extraordinary rate, despite the fact that whites can commit the same amount of crimes. Um, the uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates book, Between the World and Me, uh, which came out recently, it's kind of a memoir that he wrote to his son. Uh, he, I think, is an atheist, but it's an absolutely must-read book. And then, um, yeah, if you're into the music scene, um, Show Baraka, if you're familiar with him, his latest album, The Narrative, is a must download, must listen. Um, it's on Spotify, but I'd encourage you to reach out and get that. He's doing a fantastic job just through hip hop and through the narrative of his songs to really dig into these issues. So if you're more of a music person, get your hands on that album. Um, but yeah, Generous Justice by Timothy Keller is a great book. Um, I have a, there's a whole resource page at the back of my book on albums and oh, awesome. books to read. So those are some good ones off the top of my head. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. I wrote them all down. So okay. All right. yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And everyone should go out and buy Meals for Mars. Yep. Thank yes. you, Ben. We really appreciate it. All right. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Yeah. All right. See thank you. Later. you. Bye.